TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here. On TuneIn, go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Odyssey celebrates Father's Day, brought to you by T-Mobile. You can count on T-Mobile to help you stay connected on America's largest 5G network. Now, it's Gabe time. Gabe Kuhn. Gabe Kuhn was one of the great little trivial nuggets in all football bios. His grandfather was the inventor of the easy bake. Like a boss, the best lineman on the radio. Well, the only lineman on the radio. It's game time. Game time. We're ready. The Gabe Coon Show, 92.9 FM, ESPN. Happy Friday out there, September 22nd, 2023, and welcome into the Gabe Coon Show. Feels like the calm before the storm this week in college football. Six ranked versus ranked matchups. We have the Tigers visiting Mizzou. And I say visiting Mizzou because we'll get to why it's not a neutral site game after all. I don't know why people are surprised by it. I always expected Mizzou and their, you know, emblem and their logo to be on the field. I expected it to be a home game, but we'll get to that in a second. Um, I am Gabe Coon, former Memphis Tiger offensive lineman on X at G underscore Coon. 71. I'm alongside the executive producer of the Gabe Coon Show. That would be Connor Dunning on X at C Dunning 929. Connor, how we doing? I'm doing great, my friend. Good to hear. Good to hear. We have a lot to get to today, man. We've got a big show. Yes. Three hours of talk on the way. Courtesy of 929 FM ESPN and yours truly. Uh, we'll open on a little bit of Memphis Mizzou and why it's not a neutral site game. Have some Memphis basketball news. Schedule drop. In-conference schedule drop. I don't usually get all that hyped up about schedule drop, but I I will say there is an interesting sort of piece of information at the end of that schedule that makes the AAC a lot more interesting in the last four games of the year. But we'll talk about that as well as uh, DeAndre Williams. DeAndre Williams is enrolled at the University of Memphis, but we're still waiting on the incident. That's ultimately what it's going to be. Um, But on top of uh, talking about Memphis and Mizzou, we will have, because he has carved out some time for us, at 6 o'clock, Ryan Silverfield, Memphis football head coach. Um, We'll talk about the game. We'll talk about last week. Uh, We'll do do a little look ahead. Um, But he's got his hands full. I know he's busy. Glad he could carve out a little bit of time to talk with me. As far as guests are concerned, on top of that, we're loaded. Lee Sterling at 5.30 per normal from Paramount Sports. We'll get you some picks for the college football and NFL weekend. It is a big weekend ahead of us, too. So if you have that sports betting app, FanDuel, BetMGM, get ready when Lee comes on at 5.30. And then 5 o'clock, Jeff Calkins per normal. Jeff Calkins show and Daily Memphian. Because we have Lee Sterling at 5.30, we're going to move the trip around the NFL to 4.30. So the bottom of this first hour and last night, 49ers beat the Giants. It was easy. It was easy. We got there with the 6.5 in the first half, and we got there with the 10.5 for the whole game. The Giants just didn't have a chance, uh, to be quite frank with you. Um, but I want to have an interesting conversation about Brock Purdy. Yeah, he's been great. He's been great. 
Uh, there's no doubting it. He is 11-1 and as a starter in the NFL. He's never lost a regular season game. The only time he lost was in the NFC Championship when he tore his UCL. And it's completely understandable that that is his only loss. But I do want to be honest about what I see when I watch Brock Purdy. And it may be an unpopular take, but it is the take that I think is correct. And it is the take that I will give you as we get uh, to about 4.30, 6.30. We'll get into the blitz. Big Saturday ahead. I'll tell you what college football coaches need to win the most this weekend. Curtis Givens the third. We talked to, you know, the schedule release was today. We have some DeAndre Williams news. But Curtis Givens the third is on his official visit to the University of Memphis. And they rolled out the red carpet. He landed at Memphis International to a, uh, a hell of an applause. We had Penny there. Penny greeted him. Um, but I think it's going to come down to, to Memphis and LSU for him. And then also uh, we, we had the Trayvon Diggs ACL news yesterday. And, you know, a lot of people were responding today. First take, ESPN, on Fox Sports, the whole thing. Bart Scott, he's making some waves for his response to the Trayvon Diggs injury. We'll play the sound. We'll talk about it once we get into the blitz. Of course, we'll get out with the rewind around 650. Now, I saw a lot of people surprised because we have Memphis versus Mizzou and St. Louis. They're calling it Zoo to the Lou, by the way. I don't know if we, uh, if we ever covered that. Zoo to the Lou. Um, but it's a big game for Memphis. I, th- I think Ryan has his work cut out for him. We'll see if Brady Cook can go. I'm not hearing good things about the starting quarterback for Mizzou. But I saw a lot of people in town surprised to see because it was termed a neutral site game in St. Louis. No one really thought it was going to be anything other than Mizzou's logos on the field, right? We, we didn't think it was truly neutral site. It's in St. Louis. It's in the state of Missouri. The, the amount of Missouri, Mizzou fans and fan I, I lived there my entire childhood. There's a massive Mizzou fan base in the city of St. Louis. It was always going to be a home game for Mizzou. And I, I see people out there surprised. Now, going back to sort of the original discussion about why this game is in St. Louis. I see a lot of people in the Memphis fandom sort of discussing how, you know, the athletic department didn't have pride in, in a way. They just sort of caved into Mizzou's demands, said, Mizzou, okay, pay us. We'll go to St. Louis. Um, we're not going to wipe this game off the schedule. And they just sort of caved under the pressure that Mizzou put on them. And quite frankly, I, I – I understand why you why you are mad. Like, I get it. Memphis football is a championship-level program at this point. They have shown that, and they, shown, they have shown that they can be that. They can aspire to beat consistently SEC opponents. They've done it at home several times. A great record against Power 5 opponents at home. Um, you know, Cotton Bowl not too long ago. We understand that, you know, there is pride about this program, and it felt like the athletic department to a certain extent caved. But I... The way it's been presented to me, Connor, it's a lot different. I don't think people should have that opinion. I I get where your pride is at, but in the end of the day, what Mizzou did to the University of Memphis and their athletic department was, quite frankly, annoying, and it makes me angry. They just used their power, flexed their muscles, and said, if we want this game, we want it in St. Louis. If we don't get it in St. Louis, we're not playing it. So the University of Memphis had to look inside and say, okay, if, if, we, if we have them pay out of the contract and you know, we, don't, we have an open week, we're going to have to fill it with an FCS opponent or some lower-level FBS opponent. Um, there there would have been a lot of things, scheduling conflicts and issues they'd have to jump through that way. But they got paid $750,000 to play it 
in St. Louis. But when it came down to, in my opinion, this is the way I look at it, if it comes down to we play it in St. Louis or we don't play the game, I'd rather play the SEC opponent. I'd rather have that on my resume. I'd rather have the chance to go beat Mizzou um, rather than not play that game at all and add just a, a cupcake on the schedule. So I, 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 I know that people have pride about where this program has been, and they feel like they should be owed, because of the contract that Mizzou signed a long time ago, a home game. Because Memphis went on the road and got shellacked in Columbia the first time around. This was supposed to be the return trip. But at the end of the day, the athletic department had a choice of play in St. Louis or don't play at all, and I think the decision becomes easy at that point. You want to play this game. You want to have that premier opponent that people can get excited about on the schedule. Agreed. I think that the pros just simply outweighed the cons here, and then on top of it, you are being paid to travel to St. Louis to play this game against Mizzou, so I understand why the athletic department for Memphis would do that. Yeah, is it a bit annoying that you're having to go to St. Louis and you aren't getting that home game, and then you see their logo on the field? Yes, it's extremely annoying, but at the end of the day, it's just not a hill to die on, I think, for the Memphis athletic department. I do want to ask you, though, because it didn't even really cross my mind that like I kind of assumed that Mizzou's logo was going to be in yeah, the end no, zone like on that, the field. That's, that, that so is when the, the when yeah. the when the photo came out, my thought I didn't even notice it. Like I it, I was totally blind I had just to that assumed, being assumed. Yeah. Do you want to know what my first thought was? That place looks like a dump. Oh, <laughs> It looks so – I'm so sorry, Gabe. No, don't be sorry. <laughs> place, when it was the Edward Jones Dome and the St. Louis Rams were playing in it, first of all, terrible product for most of my, my childhood. But it was bad even when it was built, I mean, Connor. dang. It, but here's the thing. is like they have this just eyesore of a dome in the middle of St. Louis that they have no real tenants for. They just play certain games, um, you know, high school games throughout the year, state championships, that type of thing. They have not done anything to improve the damn stadium, Connor. Like, let's make that abundantly clear. They don't have a NFL team in there, so there's no real reason for them to push it over the top and make it state-of-the-art. And even when the Rams were there, it was minimal, if any, renovations ever put in that thing. Because it's not overly old, 20 to 30 years old. It's not, like, it's not crazy. Um, like, it's not aging uh, that that that. Uh, that much. It's not that old, like I'm saying. But they have not done anything to improve it over the years. And it was not good when it was first built, Connor. I, I, I got to say. I mean, I, I went to just about every home game for the Rams throughout the years, and it was not the best place to watch a game. But I did enjoy my St. Louis Rams while they were still there. It looked like a photo from the 1970s of some dome. Like, that's what it reminded me of. Like, I, I thought that we were looking back into the past <laughs> when I was looking Connor, at it. Connor, it's so. a dump. I, I, I'm going to go man. ahead and say it, it is, is a, a dump. dump. It is a dump. And the Mizzou logos just make it even more of a dump. Um, <laughs> yeah, I got my I, I, but I, can I, I, I do want to laugh for a second. I am surprised. I, I am taken aback that folks thought it would be any other way. Well, I, think I am taken aback that folks thought it was like a true neutral side game. I don't think anyone thought that, but they're just wanting to point it out in the moment. Stay with me here. Stay with me. I think the reason that photo and their logo being on the field had such an impact in it and people were talking about it the way that they were is yesterday just kind of felt like an attack on on Memphis sports from all angles. <laughs> you had the Evan Turner thing right. going on. Okay. You had Jalen Brown talking about Marcus Smart. 
You had people talking about moving the Grizzlies to Nashville. You had you had you had that dummy talking about Jalen Brunson being better than Ja, and then this landed on it too. Yeah. And we were just like, "Are you serious? Like, hey, what else?" So you're saying else is like our on? pride was a little yes, brittle, and was, then that was adding we on were, top. Of we it. were already ready to fight. We were we already <laughs> had the weapons in our hands, and we just turned our attention to Mizzou, and we said, "All right, we're going to take the fight to them now. Like, bring it." it we felt that you know the battle of the bastard when he was. When he tur- took the sword out and the horses are running toward him. We were all right. ju- Mem- the city yes, of Memphis was John pre- Snow yesterday, ready for Correct. any fight. Just re- we were ready. Um, but as far as the game is concerned, I hope that they have. The one thing I do hope for both teams' sake is that they have improved the playing surface, which I don't think they have. That that playing surface looks was that a brutal. was that a topic of conversation back in the day? Well, they used to have astroturf in there, and then they finally got field turf, sort of the back half of you know the Rams being in you know, being in the Edward Jones Dome or the Amer- Dome at America Center now. Um, but I hope that regardless of the outcome, injuries can stay at a low because I don't have high hopes for what that playing surface is right now. I'm going to be completely honest with you. Doesn't seem like, uh, doesn't seem like it, it, it's, uh, they've done anything to improve it over the years, just like the stadium in general, just like the Dome in general. So I think this game, is going to come down to, ultimately, what have the Tigers been able to do with their extra days of preparation? Obviously, uh, Ryan, we'll talk to him about it later, what they did. I'm sure he'll say that we just tried to get guys healthy, and then we we added a little extra film. Uh, We had one extra day of practice. I'm sure that's what he'll say. But I need to see the work on the offensive end. They have to be able to to at least compete against an SEC front seven. And on the other end, I think if, if they can rush the passer, they can really get home. And it, it, from what I understand, Connor, I have been hearing some not-so-good reports about Brady Cook. I, I, am, I, am, I was already down based on the video we talked about on Wednesday. He, he had that big old brace on his right knee, the, the sleeve. He, he was in flats. He was in tennis shoes, not cleats. He didn't have shoulder pads or a helmet on. I am not hearing good things. It looks like Sam Horn likely will be the first guy to run out there unless Brady Cook makes a miraculous, miraculous recovery here in, the, here in, the, in about 24 hours. Well, and I think that's why a lot of people feel as if this is an opportunity for the University of Memphis and Ryan Silverfield to pick up a huge win here. Yeah, no, here's the thing. is like I, I remember you know, we have the win together promotion, and you know, a lot of fans got involved with that. Every time you win, you get a free, a free ticket to the next game. And I think the University of Memphis, the athletic department, was deciding, you know, what do we do to try to get people in the seats at Liberty Stadium? And in the end of the day, we always said this, there's nothing else you can do besides win. There's nothing else you can do besides showing the work and showing the product. I know how important and vital it is to show, um, you know, 35,000 plus, 40,000 in the Liberty Bowl, but you don't get that accomplished by just saying, hey, it's important. People don't just latch on to, oh, this is a uh, reimagined college football landscape. Realignment could spin at any time. People don't buy into that. They buy into the product, and the product has to be good. And this win, if this is a win, could go a long way to just filling out the stadium for the rest of the year. And that Boise State game, I'd imagine, would be 30,000-plus. They haven't been there in a while. I, I, I think that this is... I'm not going to call it must-win by any stretch of the imagination for Ryan Silverfield, but it is, it is a very important, very important chance for him to get people back on his side and get people back in the Liberty Bowl. 
Absolutely. I think that it could really light a fire under this fan base in a way if you pick up this win. I mean, a win against an SEC team on the road in a quote-unquote neutral site home game of what it is for Missouri, it's a big deal. So what do you think the keys are to the game for Memphis? Is it the offensive side of the ball or if Cook's not playing, is it messing with their quarterback and trying to get him to turn the ball over? I think it's it's all is of it. it. It's, all, it's all of column it, Column A, Connor. column B? It's all of it, Connor. This defense needs to show that it is top half of the AAC. This defense needs to show it's one of the best in the group of five. Well, and they need a bounce back week. Like, I'm and assuming they're hitting at practice I, I have week. sort of gone back and forth with this conversation because I, I think that they have a uh, – Mizzou has a decent wide receiver core. Um, and they can really attack those guys. I'm not super worried about their run game. Cody they got one big problem. Cody Schrader, solid. Um, and, you know, the wide receiver core, Theo Weiss Jr., solid. Mookie Cooper is really good as a senior. But I have gone back and forth with how you attack Luther Burden. I'm not saying you let him get everything that's coming to him, but you can only limit him to a certain extent. You have to make everybody else not beat you. Mookie Cooper can't beat you. If Sam Horn or Brady Cook can't necessarily beat you, or Sam Horn, whoever's starting at quarterback, uh, Cody Schrader cannot beat you. I, I, I've gone back and forth of, you know, limiting the other guys or bracketing Luther Burden and making sure he doesn't get anything. Like I've gone back and forth about how Matt Barnes should really attack this. It's it's going to be it's a challenge though. It's a challenge though. Luther Burden is unbelievable, unbelievable. And we'll talk to Ryan about it later. He is just fast. They try to force feed him whenever they can. They'll give him end rounds. They'll have him run deep routes, intermediate, short. They just try to get him the ball, force feed him in any way possible. They'll give him some run plays. So we'll see what they do, what their plan of attack is for dealing with that Mizzou uh, offense. But again, offensively for the Tiger, for Memphis, if I say the Tigers, both Tigers, but uh, the offensive plan for Memphis. I think they need to establish the run. I'm not very, I'm again, skeptical about that. But I think even more so than that, that, that O-line and pass protection has to hold up, and they have to just absolutely compete with an SEC front seven. Because that front seven for, for Mizzou was really good back half of last year. They've been decent through the first part of this year. I thought they did a good job against Kansas State. I just want to see this front, offensive front for Memphis hold up and then I'll feel better about, about where we're headed. Seth Hennigan has to stay upright, just stay on pace with your run plays, um, because I don't necessarily think they're going to get more inventive. We haven't seen that in Tim Cramsey's. It's not really in his, he, he runs the same things every single week. Hopefully they have a couple of different you know wrinkles to what they're going to do, but this front, this offensive front needs to hold up. When you're a Mizzou offensive lineman and you know that you're not going to have Brady Cook, behind you does it change the way you prep for the game knowing that you have a backup back there and he may panic faster yeah it can change your thought process but you can't let it affect you too much you got to just trust that guy you got to trust that he's going to be able to get it done and Sam Horn was competing for the job in the preseason with Brady Cook because I think there's a, a lot of people behind the scenes at Mizzou who didn't think Brady Cook after last year was the guy for the job Brady Cook ultimately beat him out they they played uh, Sam Horn a little bit in game one. I think he was three for five passing. But I don't think, you know, from a mental makeup and from a actual physical makeup, Sam Horn and Brady Cook are that much different. Sam Horn's just younger. And I think he one thing the Tigers can do with a young guy like that, heat him up, bother him if he's the guy back there in the pocket, 
and just make him be more erratic because young guys are going to be more prone to turning the ball over. If you can get some timely turnovers, this really flips the game on its head for Mizzou, and they could be playing you know, from behind most of the game. But I, I just want to see I want to see this Memphis team, regardless win or loss, compete in a big way because even if you lose this game, no one's going to hold it against you. Again, I think it goes a long way for Ryan Silverfield if he wins this game to get people back on his side in this Memphis fan base. But even if you lose this game, there's, I, I know that we talked with Jeff yesterday and he doesn't like the whole everything's still out in front of you, but everything will still be out in front of this team, even if they lose this game. I just hope it's not some shellacking, right? You don't want to see that. You don't want to see this team lose confidence in the early going. Yeah, absolutely. It just it seems like for the defense, trying to cause anxiety for Sam Horn would be the way to go. Yes. What what could they do pre snap? Are they trying to hide schemes? Are they? Try- Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively sports. Got clock at four. Doncic. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Odyssey celebrates Father's Day. Brought to you by T-Mobile. You can count on T-Mobile to help you stay connected on America's largest 5G network. Like the simulated pressures. Yeah, fake a blitz. Yeah, yeah. Like uh, that's the simulated pressures. Walk guys up play with his eyes, make him think that he has a hot route, make him read the whole field. Like, just just do what you can. Make it tough on him. And I think Matt Barnes has the ability to do that, and he's got more depth in the secondary, more depth up front than he ever has. Um, I, I, I fully expect this defense to be up for the challenge. I think the offensive side of the ball is where we're going to have to sort of hold our breath and see what they have, what they have cooking. Now, Memphis basketball has had a couple of news drops in the past few days. Today, the big, big drop was conference schedule. Conference schedule comes out. They'll open uh, conference um, January 4th in AAC play at Tulsa, and then they will end it March 9th at FAU. It, it, the early going of this schedule, this conference schedule, is painfully easy. Now, granted, you could say it's just the American Athletic Conference, and it's going to be easy anyway. Like you just you know, outside of FAU, who really is who really is there that that scares the hell out of you? I guess UAB could be a team like that. But I think their first real challenge will be January 21st, their sixth game in conference at Tulane. Those first five games at Tulsa, SMU, UTSA, at Wichita State, USF should be, based on what this team has and what they could have coming in DeAndre Williams, we'll get to that in a second, that should be a breeze until you get to that Tulane game. And then even then, Jalen Cook's off to LSU. Jalen Forbes is still there. You have Kevin Cross. We know that they had issues with them last year. That is going to be the game I have circled as first competitive game in conference for this Tigers team. What I like about viewing this schedule and the feelings that we've had in previous seasons is there, there are no games here that I'm like, this is a must win because of the tournament. You need it for your resume. Like I expect Memphis to be favored in pretty much every single one of these games, yep. and that's a nice feeling to have heading into the season. There are not that many question marks about, you know, yes, you add DeAndre Williams to the team, and that changes it, I think, in terms of ceiling and NCAA championship right. hopes, but even with the squad that they have right now, I am fully confident that they will be able to kind of run through this schedule until a few of the games that you're talking about, and then, of course, the the last the last couple of weeks are going to be exciting. Yeah, so the the conference schedule to me – 
it's less exciting than the non-con because I feel like the resume is built on everything they do in the right, non-con. Right. Their seeding at the end of the year is based on who, what do they do against Mizzou? What do they do against Virginia? How do they look in the early going when they get into the battle for Atlantis? That's where the resume is built. This, to me, is just less exciting. What is exciting, though, and you already mentioned it, last four games of the year you're going to see FAU twice. And we know FAU and Memphis are going to battle it out for the American Athletic Conference. February 25th, fourth game from uh, the end of the year, will be home for FAU and FedEx Forum. And then you end the season, final game of the regular season before you get into AAC tournament, before you get into the NCAA tournament, you're at FAU. I'm telling you right now, the last few weeks of this season are going to be very pressure-packed because of those two games. Two out of four of your last four games are going to be going to be against Florida Atlantic. And that is going to probably, I would imagine that is going to be put up or shut up time for who's going to win the conference. I think those two games ought to decide who is going to be at the top, who's going to be the one seed going in the AAC tournament. You hope it is. You know, you certainly hope it is because that means that Memphis has put itself in position to possibly win a second straight, uh, you know, conference championship. But I just don't, like, I'm telling you, Connor, I don't know who's scary in that conference oh, for I'm not this particular roster. Yeah. I don't no. know who's scary outside of FAU. <laughs> Memphis is the scary team. Well, if, uh, Florida Atlantic and Memphis are. They're the scary. They're the they scary. They're the scary. Like, yeah. But uh, UAB, okay. Sure. Fine. Like they Take care of business. They've done a good job. Tulane's okay. But then outside of that, like no one's going to be scared of Temple. No one's going to be scared of North Texas anymore. Grant McCaslin's gone. Um, Wichita State has fallen off a cliff. They haven't looked right. SMU does not look good. Charlotte. I mean, it's FAU and Memphis at the top of this conference and then fill in after that. So those last four games of the year are going to be vital. And I am, uh, I am hoping March 9th at FAU, if they, let's say there's a tie at the top of the AAC for who's going to get that one seed, that game will be so unbelievable. Now, granted, FAU doesn't have a big old stadium, big old arena by any stretch of the imagination, but that will be out front ESPN prime time ready to go watch that thing. Yeah, I I uh I would certainly like to see the Tigers get some revenge against FAU. It's strange though because I feel like, you know, Florida Atlantic when you look at the preseason, and I get it, they were final 14. Like I'm not I'm not hating on anything that Florida Atlantic is putting out there. Now they have tried to like push forward this Memphis Florida Atlantic rivalry and I don't think that if you base it off history and where these programs have been in the past, I don't think that's even remotely okay. doable. If or you base feasible. it off of reality, yes, like <laughs> Memphis has been there, done that several times before under several coaches. The the history of Florida Atlantic basketball starts and ends with Dusty May last year. Let's be honest. But but looking at that game, I feel like there's a lot of national media that have put Florida Atlantic in that four, three, four, five range when it comes to NCAA tournament, and the Tigers are still at eight or nine. I don't view these teams in that same way. I understand that there's a lot more continuity on that Florida Atlantic roster, and maybe you believe in Dusty May slightly more than, than Penny Hardaway. But I feel like these teams are so much closer than what They're the national media than what the national media is pushing out there. I mean, pound for pound, I think Memphis has more talent. I think yeah. they have more talent. It's the continuity and it's and it's the age of FAU. But 
the good news is when you look at Memphis, they have the age factor. They just don't have the continuity. But I, but this is a group of but guys. They have dudes. But this is the group of guys that I think came. It feels like just such a professional team from the University of Memphis this year in a way that we haven't really seen. We saw we saw kind of the beginnings of it last year with Kendrick Davis in there and DeAndre Williams and how that program was starting to be able to run. And it just feels like it's really coming into fruition this year. And that's why I have I have a calmness about the Memphis Tigers basketball season that I haven't had the last few years. It's always been anxiety. We've got to beat Houston once yep. or twice to get in. Da, 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 da. It just feels like you don't have to necessarily do that this year as long as you take care of business. Take care of business. you got to win the games. <laughs> I'm not saying that, you know, I'm assuming they win. I'm just saying on paper they should and, be able to have a very successful yes. in-conference season, and I think they're going to have a successful out-of-conference. I'm, I am more excited for a Memphis basketball season than I am anxious for it than I have been in a while. Well, I guess that's think, the way to though, put it. Once you get into conference play, because this is every year, you know, since the AAC has lost like several of its its marquee names, and some of those teams, like Cincinnati, was down for a while. Sure, like it, it just feels like. Game to game, it's landmines. You just have to avoid stepping on a landmine. And yeah, losing, very much losing, so. That's a good Losing way to, look at to it. a damn, you know, losing to Tulsa, losing to SMU. You have to avoid those things because that can dock you in a severe way. Don't fall into the traps. Season. Yeah, just don't fall take into care it. of business. But I think this team Easier is said more than, than talented but... enough to make that happen. Like, they just, I mean, you could reach into the bag, and there's just so much talent on this team. Javon Quinterly. Jaquan Walton, Caleb Mills, Jordan Brown, David Jones. Like, you just have so much more talent and experience than seemingly everybody else in the conference outside of Florida Atlantic, outside of FAU. It just feels like they have more guys to make it move. You know what I mean? Like, last year it was pretty much, we need DeAndre, we need Kendrick to have it. And if they don't, they kind of had to yes, figure it out. Right. This year it feels like, okay, if, if he doesn't have it, he can pick it up. Right, exactly. Yeah, they, yes. they, they've got more like, okay, maybe it's, it's there's more of a next man up mentality, I think, for this team this season. And There's, there's a lot more, more guys that can pick up slack. Let's there's more be honest. Guys, there's more guys that can score 15 yes, plus. Yes, That's exactly. You're probably, probably five, five or six deep. If DeAndre Williams comes in, certainly six deep of guys who can give you 20 any given night. That's what it is. And, I, I you know, when we talk about talent, I think they're the most talented team in this conference, but – um, they just don't have the continuity I, that, that people like on a national scale. Am I incorrect in thinking that the DeAndre Williams addition would almost be more important on the defensive end than the offense? I don't think you're crazy for that. I, I, but I think more, even more so than offense or defense, like DeAndre Williams is just a guy you can rally around. He's a, guy a leader. Who brings you energy. He's a leader. He knows what's expected of him. As a starter in that lineup, he can pick up the slack for guys that may not have the energy they should bring night to night. I just think that is the most important thing for DeAndre. I think he helps on both ends, though, um, as long as he stays out of foul trouble. But on DeAndre Williams, Parth Upadhyay from the Daily Memphian has reported that DeAndre Williams is enrolled at the University of Memphis. He is enrolled. Now, that does not tell us the NCAA's final designation of if he's going to get another year or not, right? They're just prepping for him to get that year because there is a cutoff date of sorts where you have to be enrolled in school. I don't know how this is going to end. And, and quite frankly, Connor, it frustrates me that all of the, the eggs in that basket, all of the, the hype that could be in the DeAndre Williams return to the University of Memphis is in the hands of the NCAA. It never, that never leaves you in a hopeful spot. No, never. Never. Yeah, especially at the University of Memphis. Especially 
at the University of Memphis. Yeah. But man. But he's enrolled, and I believe uh, Don Jackson, his lawyer, and the University of Memphis have sent out additional info to the NCAA. But at some point, they're just going to have to make a ruling. Like this, is, I knew they weren't going to expedite it, but you figured, considering when he had to be enrolled, when, when the season's going to start, it was going to be somewhat, you know, give us an answer. Give us an answer. But hopefully, I'm hoping next week or two there's an answer. Hoping. There should be. But I'm not hopeful with the NCAA. No, because you can't trust them. It's snakes. But again, I think if DeAndre Williams, I think John Martin has put it a really good way. If DeAndre Williams is on this team, they should reach their potential and reach their ceiling. If he's not, they could still. They still have a high ceiling. But I, I think that, you know, the expectations and the ability this team will have from the jump just completely hell. I mean, DeAndre Williams would expedite that process and make it so much easier for these guys to make. He'd be one of the best players in college basketball. Yeah. It's that's you're you would be adding one of the best players in college basketball to an already loaded roster. And that front court's just nasty. DeAndre Williams and Jordan dogs. Brown. Nasty. Dogs. It'd be absolutely nasty. Now we're gonna get to the uh, trip around the National Football League in just a second, but snap into action. This NFL season with FanDuel America's number one sportsbook. Right now new customers you get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is so easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash Gabe K. That is my promo code, G-A-B-E-K, and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel is the official partner of the NFL and 92.9 ESPN. You must be 21-plus and present in Tennessee. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued is non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. Restrictions apply. Seize terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. If you have a gambling problem, call the Tennessee Red Line at 1-800-889-9789. Now let's go ahead when we return and get to the trip around the National Football League right here on the Gabe Coon Show, 92.9 FM ESPN. Guests appear on the Smile Center Hotline. Now back to the Gabe Coon Show, live from the Service Master by Cornerstone Studios on 92.9 FM ESPN. Back in on the Gabe Coon Show, 92.9 FM ESPN. It's time to take a trip around the National Football League brought to you by Longshot. The San Francisco 49ers. Well, the San Francisco 49ers just absolutely drubbed the Giants last night, 30-12. to 12. I mean, just an ass whooping. let's be honest about it. Um, I did give you a pick. I gave you that first half. They got there. They got there. It was 17-6 to six and a half. It was minus 6.5. How about it? Um, but the good, the good for the 49ers, Brock Purdy was great. And I think he is great. Like, I, I, I have no, uh, no bad, bad things to say about him. He keeps him on pace. He's 11-1 in his NFL career at this point. Has never lost a regular season game. Only loss was against the Eagles where he tore his UCL. I have mad respect for him. He was 25 for 37, 310, two TDs. Also, 49ers front seven is insane. Absolutely insane. They, they two, might just be two the biggest sacks. line I've ever seen. Just two sacks. But you clearly saw Brian Dable schemed around it and said, we have to get the ball out fast. And I don't think Daniel Jones played horribly, but he did have the pick. Um, there was only two sacks out there, Javon Hargrave and Nick Bosa. Um, but what I really... What I really have to hang my hat on here, 11 carries, 29 yards. <laughs> 11 carries, 29 yards for the Giants. They are just so loaded. And I also think that the 49ers offensive line bullied a really good, quite frankly, 
a pretty good front seven of the Giants. Like you can say what you want, but you you do have a lot of guys up there. You have Leonard Williams, you have Dexter Lawrence, you have you have some dudes that can make Bobby Okereke is a guy they signed who's been a hundred hundred tackle a year guy when he played for the Indianapolis Colts. They signed him four years, forty million dollars. They have some dudes, but that 49ers O line just bullied them the whole day. I am so confused by when we got into like fantasy football season. Why is Christian McCaffrey not? I mean, I guess it's injuries and you worry about his injury history, but he is just so damn good. He scored a touchdown in every game he's played since December 4th, 2022. And he's running really well in that zone scheme. He catches the ball at a high rate. I mean, this year, so far, he has 13 targets, 11 receptions, 70 yards. He, he consistently turns out crazy production. I don't know how he wasn't the number one guy on every fantasy board. And I understand the injuries, but then it was Jamar Chase and, and Justin Jefferson. Maybe put Justin Jefferson up there. But it has not aged well to not have Christian McCaffrey at the top of all those boards when you were drafting your fantasy team. Very true. I think you nailed it, though. It's all about the injuries. It's, you know, because I just feel like we've had a few seasons of Christian McCaffrey where they have started exactly like this. And then and it's running backs in general, though, broken isn't it? down a little bit. But he does have a better offensive line. He's not having to do as much as he used to have to do when he was in Carolina. So I see it. What, what do you make of, you know, do you think that the Giants offensive line has this reputation of struggling so far this season, mostly because they've had to play the Cowboys and 49ers in the first three games? Yeah, I, sure. I'll, I'll give you that, yes. But I do think they have a severe deficiency in pass protection. They have a good run-blocking O-line, and Andrew Thomas was out last night, their best O-lineman in general. Their be- uh, great left tackle just got paid a whole lot of money. But Evan Neal at right tackle, sort of a big lumbering guy out of Alabama who can run-block a whole lot. Um, they, they brought in John Michael Schmitz at center from, Minis- uh, from Minnesota uh, this, this past NFL draft, and I think he's done a really good job. But they just can't pass protect. I mean, they're just slow lumbering. They're not necessarily any type of finesse to their game. They can run block a little bit, but I I do think that, yes, having played the Cowboys and having played the 49ers does uh, make them look a lot worse. Now, on the Brock Purdy thing, Brock Purdy was great. Again, 25 for 37, 310, two TDs, no INTs, and he's 11-1 in every game he's played. But, Connor, people aren't going to like what I have to say. I'm sorry. When I watch him play football, regardless of what the statistics look like at the end of the game, they usually look good. He does absolutely nothing spectacular. There's nothing about his game that I look at and say, oh my gosh, that's unbelievable. He misses some throws from here, from uh, every now and then. Um, sure, he's really good at pacing the offense. He does exactly what Kyle Shanahan tells him to do. I think... When you look at his game, it's okay for now. I think they'll go through the regular season. They'll be solid. But once you hit week 12, when you have some injury concerns, when you have some of the, you know, Debo Samuel maybe out, Brandon Ayuk was out this week. What does he look like when he's forced to push the ball down the field? I remember at Iowa State, that was the big issue for him. Yeah, he can pace the game great, but when you ask him to throw the ball downfield, can he do it? Can he do it accurately? It's never been that way for him. And I look at that game last night. It's first read. He throws to his first read. It could be an RPO, could be anything, or he just checks it down and throws it throws it to Christian McCaffrey after four seconds, or a running back after four seconds. He's a good game manager. He's great at it, but I just still, even after three weeks and how spectacular he's been, I still have my questions of when they get in the playoffs, will he be the reason that they come up short? I, I, 
I'm sorry I still have that thought even after watching him throw for 310 yards and two TDs against the Giants because I just don't see him do anything extraordinary. That's okay for now, but I want to see how this whole thing ages. When I watch him play, the thought that I have is, man, Shanahan's a wizard. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's like, the yes. thought process that I have. Yes. It's I think he's, you know, I think he's a he's perfectly fine for what they're trying to do right now, but I do have some questions about whether he can just get them over that hump. You should, at and some point you're gonna need him to make some big throws. I also think, yeah, Shanahan's a wizard. Yes. But then you talk about that O line being great. Trent Williams is great. And by the way, the punch. Should he have gotten ejected? I mean, that was I thought I thought you usually get ejected for throwing a punch, but beside the point. Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, George Kittle, Jawan Jennings is actually really solid. Uh, Christian McCaffrey, Elijah Mitchell is a backup. Yeah, you talk about Shanahan as well, but I also talk about the weapons. It, it, like when I watch them play, Brock Purdy's an afterthought to me, even though he has been fantastic. So it's just it's it's a strange dynamic where you have this quarterback putting up great numbers, but I don't know if anyone's fully bought in that he is some game changer that's going to stick around and win Super Bowls for the San Francisco 49ers. The Kansas City Chiefs. Isaiah Pacheco and Kadarius Toney were not at practice this week. It's looking like their game day designation is going to be up in the air. They're going to be game time decisions um, likely to be ruled out. We need all hands on deck for the Chiefs, though, right? Like, I I don't know if they had – like, Travis Kelsey's great. He didn't look great in his first week back against the Jags. But they need – Pacheco, Tony, everybody. I know Tony stunk against the Lions and dropped a bunch of balls, but they need everybody they can get. They can't deal with a bunch of injuries and, you know, problems throughout this season. Because they just don't have enough depth in that wide receiver room and that running back room. And I have been, it has been strange to watch the early season. Isaiah Pacheco hasn't been leaned on as much as he should be. Like, Andy Reid's put out Clyde Edwards-Alaire. He started that first game against the Lions. Isaiah Pacheco needs to be the front and center back when he's on the field. Yeah, I mean, when watching the Jags game, it was interesting because they were double-teaming Kelsey pretty much every single time. Every time he touched the football, he was get, he got hit by two or three Jags immediately. Yeah. Yeah, and they don't really have any other options to go to. Like, Sky, maybe Sky Moore and Kadarius Toney will surprise some people as the season goes along. Marcus Valdez-Scantling. But those guys are—they're just—they're—they're they're normal, they're regular, and you know, Travis Kelsey's going to have to do some heavy lifting. I think Patrick Mahomes is going to have to do some heavy lifting. But I will—I will—I uh, will lean on them. I will—I will say that they will do that heavy lifting, and they'll be in a great spot come playoff. It's also the Bears. Yes, that is true. The Indianapolis Colts. Anthony Richardson's ruled out officially for the game against Baltimore this weekend. Baltimore has a bunch of people out as well, but I think Baltimore will run to an easy easy win. But, hey, Gardner Minshew looked good. 19 for 23, I think, when Anthony Richardson got knocked out. TD, no INT, 170-some-odd yards. So uh, I think this Colts team will be okay offensively, even without Anthony Richardson. I just it, – it is – we're three games into his career and he's ruled out with a a week-long concussion that's going to hold him out of a game against Baltimore in the early season. He's just running the ball too much. He relies on his legs, but we knew that was going to be the case. I'm beating a dead horse here with my take on Anthony Richardson being thrust into action this quick with the Colts, but having him concussed already just does not – it doesn't feel right. It doesn't feel right. I I, I still just – 
wish they would have gone with Gardner Minshew, let him pace the whole thing, and let Anthony Richardson learn how to throw the ball from the pocket before they just put him in there. Because he certainly has shown flashes of why oh, they hell drafted yeah, he him looks there. great. He looks very good. And then just as soon as it happened, I texted you. It took three games. There, there's it a, took three there's games. A, and, and, well, it took one game. He got knocked out of the yeah, first game, too, right? Like, it's, it's like he's just taking these licks that I think are unnecessary for a, for a guy of his age coming straight into the NFL. You don't want to miss weeks. You don't want to lose momentum, that positive momentum, seemingly, that he has. And I, I – I think if he keeps, you know, treating every run like it's the last run that's going to put them over top and go win a game, it's going to be a struggle for him to stay healthy throughout his career and certainly throughout this rookie season. Just because you can take the hits doesn't mean you should. Yes, correct. The Chicago Bears. (laughs) This has been a week from hell, hasn't it? Justin Fields says coaching's the problem with him being so robotic and not good and having a 22.2 QBR in the first two games. You have your your defensive coordinator, Allen Williams, having to take a leave, and he puts out a statement saying he wants to coach again, but then Pat McAfee's reporting that the FBI raided his house, and some of the accusations, I'm not going to get into them because I don't think they're, they're, they're substantiated yet, but some of the accusations are insane. And then, I don't know if you saw this, Connor, the Bears had over $100,000 worth of equipment stolen from Soldier Field overnight on Wednesday per ABC7 Chicago. The staff said the thieves tore down a security fence to drive the equipment out of a garage. <laughs> Step up the security. Do something. It, it, like nothing has gone their way this season. Nothing. And I know this is just a drop in the bucket, but damn, like $100,000 for an NFL franchise, they'll, they'll recover. They'll be okay. But just hit after hit after hit after hit for the Bears this year. It's, it's hard to imagine them recovering and saving a good season after all of this nonsense is happening in week three. It's insane. Their defense just keeps up giving points. They just can't stop giving up points. It's yep. wild. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's <laughs> On the field, and in the building, they can't stop people. Step up that damn security. The please. interior defense is, is in shambles. <laughs> it's so bad. Now, when you think of engagement rings, wedding bands, diamonds, think Robert Irwin Jewelers. Ring design is the number one thing women care about and why all Robert Irwin Jewelers rings are fully customizable. If you have an idea, like just an idea in your head, you can get a picture of it or you can draw it if you're artistic and they'll make it come to life for you. They'll design that one-of-a-kind custom ring just for your loved one. Or you can make that ring all by yourself at one of their five locations, including the one on Perkins Extended. You choose the center stone, cut clarity, shape, size. You pick the setting. They'll help you if you need it. They're always very helpful, friendly staff. And Robert Irwin Jewelers will make that ring for your special someone that no one else has or has ever even tried on. It was designed totally by you for them. It always means more when you take the time to do something special at Robert Irwin Jewelers. And with the meant-to-be guarantee, there's zero pressure. If you guys break up, if you don't have... A, a good engagement. If she doesn't like the ring, guess what? You can return that diamond custom-made engagement ring to Robert Irwin Jewelers in 365 days. You will get a full refund. It's that simple. Robert Irwin Jewelers has been doing this in Memphis for a long, long time, 40-plus years. Howie and his family have always provided different, more relaxed ways to buy fine jewelry with less pressure and more options and always at much better prices. They have something you'll be proud to give no matter what your budget is. They make you look good, and they help you show how much you care. And we know that it's a big decision to go get engaged. They take it very seriously. Bigger, brighter diamonds with zero down and up to 60 months to pay. So whether it's birthday, anniversary, congratulations, I love you, I'm sorry, Merry Christmas from $250 to $250,000. 
Robert Irwin Jewelers has something for every budget. Five Memphis area locations, including the one, the OG on Perkins Extended, or you can go online at rijewelers.com. Now, Jeff Calkins is scheduled to join the show. Let's go ahead and get to that right here on 92.9 FM ESPN. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. The clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Odyssey celebrates Father's Day. Brought to you by T-Mobile. You can count on T-Mobile to help you stay connected on America's largest 5G network. 